Hey everyone, welcome to another CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I'm Corey, CJ Wesley. And we are super excited about this episode because we're talking about a topic that keeps on coming up on Corey and I's radar, ID management. And we've got a really special guest for this episode. We've got two-time ServiceNow Dev MVP and current VP of Engineering at ClearSky, Mr. Jared Munt. Jared, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, before we get you talking about what ClearSky is and why it's so awesome, why don't you give the audience a quick bio so they can see you're one of us. You're you're a ServiceNow person, just like the rest of us. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been doing ServiceNow, started out like most people at a customer back in the uh, Berlin, Calgary era. But even before then, I was in the U.S. Air Force for five years, worked on a lot of government and military systems, working through uh, securing them, administrating them, and managing teams of people doing the same infrastructure development variety of things. And then when I found ServiceNow, it all came together. It's the whole org on a single platform. Now, I introduced the topic as being ID management, but I noticed that ClearSky sells itself as an ID governance solution, not ID management, ID governance. So what is ID governance? Yeah. Prior to joining ClearSky, I couldn't have given you a straight answer to this. But what I've learned in the year that I've been at ClearSky is that the identity industry is very large. And there's some things like password managers, password vaults. There's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, So yeah, so we are right now focused on IGA, identity governance and administration. And it's, it's a fancy word, but it it's probably something that most organizations are already doing, like automating the creation of new accounts when people get onboarded. For existing people, putting something in the service catalog so that they can request additional access to a printer, a file server, web-based application, those sorts of things. And that's the administration part of it. But the other parts are what happens after that service account is created or that admin account is created. Is somebody looking at access quarterly or annually? Does that person still need access You know, six months after the process? project closed out. So kind of the whole life cycle of all the different accounts and systems within a customer's environment. That's pretty interesting, especially the life cycle part of that, you know, in terms of looping back around and ensuring that those accounts um, are accounted for at the end of a project or whenever they're no longer needed. So you guys have obviously created what is a uh, new IGA solution here and addressing some problems that you you feel you've seen in the market. Tell me what were some of those problems that you saw in IGA market that made you want to go ahead and build a new product? And why are you guys a a better uh, take on this than than others in the market? So some of the problems with traditional IGA solutions are, it's very similar to a lot of other systems that ServiceNow is addressing. They're just disjointed. You have to host them yourselves. You have to manage the infrastructure. You need specifically trained people for each unique system. So by putting our IGA app on ServiceNow, you can utilize your existing ServiceNow team to administer it. And you don't have to worry about any of the network security, database backups, and all the other things of building on the ServiceNow platform. Yeah, you know, that's actually a great point. It's one of one of the um, reasons that I love building out on top of ServiceNow, actually, is that it handles all of that mundane, non cool non-app stuff for you, right? Like the security, the data centers, the scale, the database, the communications, notifications, all that stuff. ServiceNow puts all that in a package for you and just, hey, go nuts and build what you want, right? So that's also one of the reasons that I like building on it. So Jared, I'm going to revisit a couple things. Like we're now just casually, even on this call, calling it IGA, but 
I didn't really even know that this was an like a whole industry with a label on it basically before this call. How does somebody know that they are like if they if they have service now and just like Corey and I, they're probably dealing with, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we just had the data reconciliation engine ask us if these accounts are still valid? Like the things that we're discovering by accident, how would somebody know that they should have an identity governance administration solution? At most organizations, you probably are realizing you need a solution when you start getting questions from a, a chief risk officer, uh, a risk management type of team, or even the network security or, or CISO type of office. So you mentioned that, um, you know, most of this seems to be driven by like the CISO function at, the, at an organization and mostly driven by security and risk. I wonder, is there, a, are you seeing a whole lot of uh, uptake from like the ITSM side of the business where, you know, folks are more uh, focused on automation and kind of making, making things go vroom uh, versus making sure that the things don't leak? I think our... I think our when we're doing customer demos and talking to potential customers, I think it's probably split between just the pure risk, getting a grasp on what we have out in our environment and how they can lower their risk and implement some of these access review best practices. And so I think a majority of, of what we're selling is reducing risk, knowing what's going on in your environment. Uh, and then secondary part of that conversation is the ITSM automation uh, and doing things faster taking the load off of your service desk or tier two teams. So okay. that becomes very clear early on as part of the discussion. So, and so how do you, how do you guys reduce the risk? Uh, since that seems like a, to be a, like a huge, one of the huge selling points. Just uh, took the words right out of my mouth, guy. <laughs> I mean, everybody on the call can, ima can, can imagine the dollars just adding up on automation, right? Like if I could right. just get the robots to do this, I could just like the dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. Yes, yes, yes. But if I just say, ah, screw it, I don't need an IGA, right? Where are the leaks happening? Like, who's right. sneaking in my back door? Like, what is the danger? Whose head's going to roll? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and like I mentioned, I've been in the security space for a while. I got CISSP certified back in 2015. Oh, nice. Uh, and have had Security Plus and, and all sorts of other, you know, not just Microsoft and Cisco, but, but have been in the compliance network defense side for a while. And the thing I hate about that industry is when people sell fear, like if you don't buy our problem, you know, you don't buy this product, you're going to be the next, you know, headliner on the newspaper. So, uh, but if you just think back to some of the major headlines that you've seen recently, um, do you want me to name names or just keep it vague? You probably don't want to name names. We've seen the names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think back to some of the major headlines of what's happened over the last, it's not even the last 20 years, they're getting more frequent and, and bigger. And my favorite go-to resource, if you want to read more, there's a thing called the Verizon Data Breach Incident Report, the Verizon DBIR, and that comes out annually and it gives you kind of the state of the union on what happened. How did these big companies get hacked? Was it because they weren't doing their service pack patches? Was it because they posted the admin account accidentally on their intranet? Were they socially engineered and they got conned out of letting somebody in a telecom suit get access to their data center. Uh, huh. It gives you all numbers on and consistently year over year, it's misconfigurations and a vendor account or an employee account that had admin that was not deactivated when that person left the organization. You are breaking 20 year old me's heart. 
And you start talking about social engineering and dressing up as a, you know, telecom worker and sneaking in. I just envisioned the movie Hackers. And then you cut and you told me that that doesn't happen. And it just kind of, <laughs> you, you broke my heart. <laughs> I think you're saying it, it did happen. It does happen. If, if, oh, but, sweet. But it's not the number one. It, sweet, it, it now does, people it, can buy your product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's some other there's yeah there's some other good you know educate your users on phishing type of apps out there but back on the the report if you want to reduce your risk there's there's frameworks out there like the cis top 20 or the i forget what the federal one is 85 20 something uh the frameworks that say just inventory your systems know who has accounts on your system patch your systems review them for misconfigurations regularly so yeah if you're just doing all the boring sysadmin things you're probably not going to be on the paper and so i feel like this is good this like this should be a huge aha moment for anybody who's done like an ad integration with service now orchestration because what's the big we have to do this every single time we have to make it so we can get the accounts created automatically oh yeah absolutely but how many people pay attention like we have to check on this every x amount of time to figure out if they still need this access if they still need this role that's never how these projects start and so just Mm -hmm. go back in your own mind think of all the times you created an automation to give something and you've just opened that door forever forever (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny though right like is a lot of people consider this when they think of things like vms right there's a lot there's been a whole lot of publicizing that you want to be able to to check on your vms and see if they've expired so to speak and decommission them you know because you don't want to use those resources up so i've seen a lot of life cycle management around virtual computers and things of that nature right but not around accounts typically you know, there's a couple of places I know that, that do some auditing, but nobody does anything on a more regular basis. So, you know, is that yeah. something that, how does Clear Sky kind of bring that to uh, to the forefront? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's all about provisioning and the rest of the life cycle is kind of the, we'll handle that in phase two or phase three. And then that, of course, never gets prioritized. Yeah, yeah it's not um, phase two. So, yeah. Biggest it, myth so- in uh, implementations. <laughs> and, you, and you've probably seen this. Most of the access reviews that are done is probably around software asset management, trying to reclaim licenses, seeing, hey, this person has a Visio license. Are they still using it? Can I pull that back and issue it to somebody else? But for just regular boring stuff, like who's got access to the executive file share or the whatever SharePoint subsite, that sort of stuff isn't costing anybody 10 cents a month or, or $2, you know, a quarter or something. So it, it doesn't get prioritized like other things, but yeah. Uh, if I can just interrupt with one more thing, you ever go to like a really old ServiceNow instance or an instance where they've got a third party to do all the instance management for them and just see who's got the ServiceNow admin role. Yeah. And like, how many conversations have you had where it's like, you know, you have 30 ServiceNow admins <laughs> that are active and how many times have the customer just shrugged their shoulders and say, yeah, well, I guess, well, like, what should we do? <laughs> like, and, and it's just, ServiceNow is traditionally, it hasn't been like a big high status system to breach. But with all the stuff that's going on a system, ServiceNow systems today, imagine a breach where somebody had ServiceNow admin rights. Oh, God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and even at orgs that protect prod, they might do a full clone 
to a subprod and then let 30 people have admin in subprod yeah. and you yeah. get access to all the full CMDB to the yeah. whole org chart to your CEO's phone number you get really everything like I'm yeah, sorry right I mean there is here, a lot man. I'm like I feel like calling every client I ever had yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's funny I've I've had a couple clients though who've taken it seriously and you know the data and uh subprod is uh scrambled right and it's like oh that's new Right. Like, you know, it, it yep. happens a couple of times, but it doesn't ha doesn't happen all the time. I'll tell you what happens all the time, though. Right. Like I, I get a, I come onto a project right where the instance is already up and running. So it's not a phase one. And I come in and I see and I go and look at who has admin rights and who has admin rights. All of the previous implementers. Right. Like <laughs> going back three, four projects deep, they all still have all admin rights. They're all still active. And then, you know, they, uh, some some of my clients in this case would also have IP security, right? Like this is really good, right? They've got IP address security. So you can't access the instance unless the, uh, your IP address is actually provisioned in, in the instance, right? Like you think they're taking it to the next level, right? Except all these other folks, right, who worked on those previous projects, they still got they're still Their IP addresses are still in there and their records are active. So yeah. <laughs> it's like... And it's you know, not just service now. Every system in a in an organization, think of somebody that's been promoted five times or or somebody that's making the rounds and moving to a couple different business units. You know, they're part of different projects, they're part of different teams. Their account just gets added into groups, added into more groups, and then you know, if somebody's been at a company for twelve or fifteen years, they probably have way more access than they need to do their job. Absolutely. So Jared, this wasn't on the, the list of plan questions, but, and, and we don't have a screen, so you can't do a demo, but could you speak generally to like the kinds of tools ClearSky gives to make all this dangerous, scary stuff we just talked about more manageable? Definitely. So ClearSky as a company is right now, I, I don't know the exact ratio, but we're approximately 50% identity veterans and 50% ServiceNow veterans. So it's not just a few of us, people with the certified app developer cert, just coding away, building some catalog items and some reports. So yeah, we're taking all the, the requirements from these long-term industry veterans and broke up that whole identity lifecycle into a handful of distinct processes. So of course, we have the catalog where your entire organization can browse and say, I want access to this Active Directory system. And, and then we do dynamic routing for approvals. And if we need to, we can break it up into five separate tiers of approvals, depending on the sensitivity of what they're asking for. And everyone listening to this can probably picture all that in their, in their mind, how we fulfill those sort of things. Um, some of the other lifecycle actions are the provisioning. So we have a connector system. So in the identity and identity governance world, we call them connectors. ServiceNow world, they're usually integrations or now we're more integration hub spokes, but we call them connectors. And so, yeah, so we have this system to hook into SAP, Active Directory, Azure, all the different systems. We're, we're writing the connectors so that when you click on our store app uh, and install it into dev, you, you don't have to go and figure out what the, the rest path is and what the JSON payload structure is to use it. Okay. Uh, you can just, you know, I want to do Active Directory. Okay, which mid server do you want to use? What's your uh, service account password? Okay, start importing accounts. Uh, nice. It's kind of that sort of thing. And the part that I didn't really think much of prior to joining is the access review side, where maybe certain groups are so sensitive, you want to have the access reviewed monthly. Other things are quarterly or annually. And that way, the manager of the group, again, the multi-tiered approval steps can review and say, who's got access to my team or my division's SharePoint site or Active Directory uh, group that manages our file server or any other system? It could be SAP. I mean. Think of all the different business systems. Uh, we're 
we're currently building connectors into I don't know how many different popular business systems at the moment. Yeah, so I think that's pretty cool um, for you to have the, you know that at those out of the box connectors, right, where people can get started immediately right away, just kind of point click, add a couple of attributes, and boom, we're all all set up. I mean, that definitely makes it a lot easier, right, to get engagement. In it. And you know, from my perspective, like with the, the one of the number one things for any app is to to overcome is getting that first view buy in. I don't know what you'd call it, right? But that kind of that first we've bought it, we've installed it, now we can use it, right? And and making sure that you you actually get it used and engaged. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that's what I like about the ServiceNow store is that getting to that first view uh, is a lot quicker when you're having that build versus buy conversation. And for right. a lot of different uh, functions within your organization, if you have something that's in the ServiceNow store, whether it's a uh, learning management system, whether it's any sort of bolt-on that really expands the functionality of ServiceNow, you can get to that conversation quicker rather than having a requirements meeting and Absolutely. spending spending a, a couple months hiring contractors and, and building it yourself. You get right to the hands-on approach. Yeah, you get right to the meat of it, right? Like to the thing that you actually want to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the choice to actually build on the ServiceNow, on the ServiceNow platform, right? Like you get, you know, when you choose to build on the ServiceNow platform, you get all that other boring stuff that you don't want to have to deal with for free, right? And you can get right to the interesting stuff of wh why you're actually building an app to start with. So what made you guys decide whether or not you were going to go with uh, ServiceNow, building a ServiceNow app, or maybe like, you know, I know some folks have distributed via like update set offline, or even just kind of doing it in a different way altogether. Yeah, that, I don't imagine that there was much of a conversation before I joined about how to distribute the app. Our target customers are, are large orgs that have real quantity of systems to inventory. So, so doing a side project doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think they want to see something that's certified and reviewed by ServiceNow themselves. And also they don't want to have five different ways of importing updates. They want to have the, the store repo and upgrade ClearSky IGA the same way that they're upgrading security incident response and things like that. Yeah, I'm just thinking about going back on recent clients before I joined VividCharts. I had somebody who was in that ID management space and they built this brilliant automation tool, but that was a case where they built instead of bought. But now that we know that IGA is its own industry, its own category of problem with incumbent solutions and stuff, you got to wonder like, what do you miss by building it yourself? Like to you, this was just a problem, like a, a, a single problem, but maybe that problem is way bigger. <laughs> you know what I mean? And way more nuanced. And why not capitalize on the gains of people who have had this phenomenal expertise in that category before you even realize you had a problem? I'm sorry, that wasn't even a question. It was just something that <laughs> came back. But I just like, it's, it struck me as so profound in, in that build versus buy. Like I've always advocated you build when. It's a unique to your digital DNA. You buy when it's something everybody's had and you've had like a thousand people take a crack at solving it and the cream has already risen to the top. Buy that. Yeah, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. But yeah. okay, so if you guys if you guys hold the cream, right? You're the cream of the crop in terms of the IGA knowledge domain. Was there anything about ServiceNow specifically that said, okay, we got to do it on this platform? Forget like out systems, forget hand coding it from scratch. Like what made ServiceNow the platform to do this on? 
Oh, it, and that's an easy one. The build versus buy is definitely an important part of the conversation, mm-hmm. but the strength of ServiceNow as an evolving platform is that's where all the data is, right? Orgs are making that the authoritative source for the CMDB, for the org chart, for a variety of different data sources. It's the authoritative source on blackout windows, outages for on the ITSM side, for risk your GRC risk registry and other IRM functions there. So that's where we want to be. We want to have our authoritative source of what are the identities, profiles, accounts, the hierarchy, when what's the current state of this particular group or or whatever. It just needs to be in a table on the ServiceNow platform. Yeah, that's a good point too about having access to all the other things that are on, on the ServiceNow platform already, like having access to the CMDB and, and, and things like that. I mean, that, that, you know, that's a, that's a wealth of information that, you know, you can tap into and that you can use to improve the, the functionality of the product. Do you that, find your you know, customer? Sorry, go ahead, Corey. No, sorry. Uh, do you go find ahead. your customers like bumping into the other aspects of the tool, like starting something in Clear Sky because a, there was some HR event that the HR side of the tool is managing? And then later down the road, having some kind of check or audit from the GRC side of the house on data you guys are storing? And if not, do you imagine that being the case years from now? Most of the orgs we're implementing in right now are already bought in on ServiceNow. That's our ideal customer. They We don't train them that ServiceNow is the place to be or that the future is getting all your executive dashboards and management data in one place. Uh, so after an org comes to that realization, for us, it's pretty easy because we connect the dots between the HR, we assist in the onboarding, we, in the future, when somebody gets an up, uh, a different job title or a different location, we'll do a variety of automated things, right? If you move to the San Diego office, you automatically get access to the San Diego printer, that sort of thing that normally you don't find out until you've been at the office for three weeks and you need to print something and then you realize you don't have access to that to that particular device. So tell me then, Jared, like what are you most excited for at Clear Sky right now and six months into the future? Oh, it's, it's a great time to be here at Clear Sky. It's crazy busy and we are onboarding quite a few different people. I call it the perpetual hackathon because out in the nice. implementation world, you would do an implementation. Uh, somebody would bring up something, a really, you know, a fun idea, something really cool. And then you would write it down and say, oh, let's put that on the parking lot or let's put that on the day two sheet. And then in reality, nobody was actually taking notes. That thing would just disappear into the ether. But right. here at Clear Sky, we have this awesome backlog of features and reworking some of our processes to run in parallel on large node customer instances. So it's kind of fun to, to be here and see that day two and day three or, you know, phase two, phase three actually come around. And then also working with just crazy smart people learning about a whole new industry outside of ITSM and DevOps. And then we're getting ready to hop back into conference season, coming out of our combined coma and uh, yeah. get to see each other in person again. So yeah, that's just all of the above. I mean, that's awesome. I, I love the idea of, of the hackathon, you know, day two projects, just kind of putting some priority on that stuff instead of letting it go out to the parking lot to die, right? Like, which, which is what happens in, in a lot of cases. So like, kudos to you guys for, for actually putting some dedication and some time and then being really intentional about getting through those, wouldn't it be cool if features, right? Like, I think that's pretty awesome. All right, folks, we are at time. I'd like to thank again, Mr. Jared Munt from ClearSky. If you want to check out ClearSky, is it clearsky.com? 
it is yeah c-l-e-a-r-s-k-y-e dot com the link will be in the description of the podcast as well as wherever we post this podcast so please feel free to check them out and share thanks again jared for coming to the show really appreciate it absolutely, absolutely. thanks a lot jared